This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Back, Pat Stu. So uh, Trump did his big speech, his uh, response to Hillary, and uh, he calls her a world-class liar. Takes one to know one. <laughs> I know you are, but what am I? Uh, uh, seems to be well received so far. Uh, yeah, by people I've seen. But I mean, if anybody himself. knows a world-class liar, it would be Donald Trump. He he mentioned what a couple of things that she's lied about. Uh, we could name five hundred things. Donald Trump has lied about. Look, I mean, I know people are, you know, like this speech. And, of course, A, it wasn't written by him. He's reading it. Um, and, B, you know, his best moments are always going to be attacking other candidates. I don't know why this would change your opinion about the guy. You know, the fact that he's going to decide now to run a more professional campaign and occasionally give teleprompter speeches is not a reason to support the guy. Beyond that, you know, I said this before. There's nobody worse than Donald Trump when it comes to lying. I mean, yeah. it, and I, the, the thing that separates, because people are like, well, Hillary lies all the time. Hillary lies all and the time. And she does, when yes. It, and first of all, yes, she does. She does it for her own benefit. Mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton lies whenever it will benefit her even one seventieth of a percentage of, of a point, right? Mm-hmm. The issue with Donald Trump is he lies when it doesn't benefit him at all. He also lies when it will benefit him one seventieth of a point. But he'll also, he, he, he'll continue that process to things that make absolutely no difference because he's pathological. Yeah. Like I would say he would he would lie about his children's name if he if he could figure out a way to do it. He, he probably would. He probably would. And he's that bad. Where yeah. I think Hillary would namely mainly call her Chelsea. <laughs> like I don't know. I don't even know if Trump is that bad. We've given you plenty he's, of examples. I don't need bad. to prove this to you. Right. You know, you know. Uh, but uh, Clinton superdelegate uh, Shaka Khan was found guilty on corruption no, charges. Not. Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan. I didn't know she was a superdelegate. She's not, Pat. That's a well. It says right here the Clinton superdelegate Shaka Khan was no. found guilty on corruption charges. That would be a Shaka Fatah. Oh, oh, okay. Shaka Fatah was mm. found guilty. Oh, that changes everything because there's no song about her that I know of. Or I don't know if it's a or her. Him. Or him. <laughs> I think it's a him, right? <laughs> Shaka Fatah, a uh, Clinton superdelegate, was convicted on Tuesday of corruption charges stemming from racketeering. A racketeering conspiracy in which the congressman, yes, it's a him, and four associates misappropriated thousands of dollars from federal campaign and uh, charitable sources. Fatah and four associates were indicted 
in July 2015 on 29 corruption charges, including racketeering, bribery, money laundering, mail and wire fraud, bank fraud, and falsification of records, among other charges. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, not a good guy, apparently. Took an illegal million-dollar loan from his failed uh, Philadelphia mayoral, mayoral bid in 2007. Surprise. Disguised it as a loan to his consulting company. Uh, so Shaka, is, uh, he's in some trouble now. These guys really do this stuff a lot. Yeah. <laughs> These politicians. I mean, yeah, they for, really for, do. Yes, Percentage-wise, it has to be higher than the normal population. Of course, they have got power to... Uh, to grab these uh, bribes and stuff. Power and access, yeah. yeah. I mean, so I, I guess that's uh, it makes some sense, but it's so bizarre. Who, like, especially when you have the power of a congressman, why are you, I mean, these guys eat for free all the time. They've got mm-hmm. all sorts of perks in the office. Why are you going out there and trying to scam even more out of it? You're already, your know. whole job's a scam. You know, it's like, I, it's, it's amazing how greedy they can get. Yeah. I guess the power of the superdelegacy wasn't uh, that wasn't enough for him, too. Uh, he had to he had to get involved in all of this stuff because I mean they're pretty powerful. They're they're as powerful as is it ten delegates, ten regular delegates. The superdelegates have more power than ten regular delegates. I think. Yeah, I don't remember the exact split, but there's it's a yeah, lot. There's what seven seven hundred superdelegates and yeah. four thousand. So it's, I don't remember exactly, but it's, uh, I mean, they are, they are powerful, but there are a lot of them. I mean, I, there's you know, a lot. Yeah. Uh, also, her foundation, Clinton Foundation uh, computer network has been breached by Russian hackers. So not just her personal email when she was working with for the State Department, but also the foundation. So the Russians have all kinds of, I mean, Glenn was just talking about this at the end of the radio show. They have a ton of information on her now that I'm sure she doesn't want to be out, want to be out there and they could use that to uh blackmail her on any number of issues uh i I would think under a clinton presidency the policy toward russia would be pretty friendly um because what is she going to do they're going to be blackmailing her all the time uh you know there's a lot to find in the clinton foundation they've got what um hundreds of millions of dollars uh in banked and uh, more keeps rolling in all the time. And where is that coming from? I mean, they talked about when when uh, she was Secretary of State, that countries that donated tens of millions of dollars also had state business pending and was often uh, friendly towards yeah. those states. And the good thing is, I mean, you know, they the Republicans have put together a really good candidate to target the Clinton Foundation, um, you know, the guy who donated to it. So... One of the things Russia has access to is how much money Donald Trump has given to the Clinton Foundation. Um, so she, he's going to be able to make a really good case criticizing her on the thing he donated Isn't to. Isn't he, though? Yeah. Well, and he already is, you know. Uh, and that's the email that went around all the time uh, at the very beginning of this when when Cruz first dropped out and it was apparent Hillary was, Hillary was going to win. So now our choice is Hillary Clinton or Hillary Clinton's donor. And yeah, that's where we are. We get either either Clinton or the Clinton donor. Because not only did he donate to Hillary Clinton specifically, but I mean, more importantly in this particular uh, context is that he donated to the foundation. To the foundation. I mean, you know, how do you, I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, I, obviously he can say, well, I didn't know what it was. I mean, it's obviously bull crap, but whatever. You know, I, mean, I, I don't think any of it matters to anyone. I was going through some of the, uh, did I keep the polls up here? No, it looks like I closed them out. Oh, no, here they are. I mean, l- listen to some of these. I, I don't know uh, if any of this, uh, is my mic still working, by the way? Because I yeah, lost all audio. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if any of this makes any difference uh, at this point, to be perfectly honest. But uh, so the... Um, Listen to these issues. And again, I don't know that issues make any difference. But if they if they do, who wins this election? The economy. Here's something. Hillary Clinton has absolutely no experience uh, managing an economy. He's a businessman, a billionaire. This is his best issue, right? Mm-hmm. Should be. Should. Uh, he leads Hillary Clinton 51-43, an eight-point lead. Okay. Um, terrorism. Another one you'd think. You've got the weakest party in the universe, Hillary Clinton, points on both she's pieces. involved in the Benghazi scandal, mm-hmm. oh. blah, 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 should be 20, 30 points. It's Trump by three. Now, the previous poll had Hillary wow. by five. So wow. there are splitting polls. Immigration. Here's a huge issue for Donald Trump. It's what he based his entire campaign on. I mean, he's going to be dominating here. How much mm-hmm. do you think? 20, 30 points, 15? Uh, no, he's trailing by five. He, oh. Hillary Clinton has a better polling position than Donald Trump on immigration. How about foreign policy? Well, I mean, he's pretty tough on ISIS. He's going to bomb the S out of them, so we know that. Except that Hillary Clinton leads by 21 on foreign policy. So that's probably going to be not the best. Uh, women's equality, you expect Hillary, I mean, she's first female president, going to be leading on that. You might not expect it to be uh, 43 points. That leads 69 to 26. Uh, it's pretty significant. Um, women's rights, 70 to 23. Uh, and it could be a little bit of an issue. Um, nominating Supreme Court justices. Here's something, because right now there's a balance on the court. Uh, the next justice, you know, Sc- we're replacing Scalia. So who do the American people trust? Obviously, Hillary Clinton by 14 points. Um, that's a good one there. Um, trade. Mm. Now, trade is a signature Donald Trump issue. We all know that uh, Hillary Clinton's going to be destroyed on this issue, this issue, except that, of course, Hillary Clinton is leading by five on trade. Um, gun policy. Uh, gun policy. Uh, you, I mean, here's a guy. There's only one of them, one peop, one person that would even think about defending uh, uh, defending the Second Amendment, right? She's basically saying she wants to ban all guns. Uh, he only leads that one by seven. Gun policy. Uh, how about gay and lesbian rights? You might expect this one not so great for Donald Trump, but 35 points she leads by. Uh, I, we can go on. Who's a strong and decisive leader? Now, Donald Trump is a strong and decisive leader, but still only leads Hillary by four there. Can handle the responsibilities of the job. Hillary by 12. Uh, is more honest and trustworthy. This says quite a bit about Hillary Clinton as they're split on this one, because one poll has Hillary uh, up by five. Another one has Trump up by eight. So they're about even on that one. Uh, exercises good judgment. Hillary by seven. Yeah, but Trump. Yeah, but Trump. How about who's better for low-income people? Uh, Hillary by twenty-nine. Yeah, middle class. But Trump. Uh, Trump is about the middle class. Hillary by eleven. Uh, <laughs> small businesses. Of course, he's going to win this one. He does, but by three. Wow. Donald Trump for wow. small businesses. I mean, you'd think that would be the easiest thing in the world this for is him why to he's start behind him. overall, isn't yeah. it? Uh, in, who would increase your wages? Again, another economic issue. Hillary by seven. Your personal financial system, another one, or, uh, situation, another one that Hillary should get crushed on. She's leading by three. 
Jeez. Who will do better for large corporations? Well, the thing that we all call evil, Donald Trump handily wins that one by 30, 31. Uh, who will do better for the wealthy? Hillary by, or excuse me, Trump by 32. So Trump wins big corporations and the wealthy are his only dominating categories through all of this. Uh, there's a few more if you want them. Uh, dealing with leaders with other country, from other countries, uh, Hillary by 29. Healthcare, Hillary by 18. Trade with other countries, another same question, Hillary by 9. Immigration system, Hillary by 6. Overall U.S. economy, Hillary by 1. I mean, how unreal. the hell does she win un- that? It's unreal. Regulations on businesses is it's a Trump unreal. lead by seven. Jeez. Budget, Trump lead by nine. You'd expect that. Regulations on Wall Street and big, big banks. Uh, Hillary is trailing that one. That one's interesting, actually. Yeah, Out of all is. of this, it's the one that I think bucks the Maybe trend Maybe Sanders bit. heard her on that. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and improving the performance of the stock market is a nice category. How for far Trump. behind is she on the... On uh, the uh, Nine. Nine. So, so mildly close, but that's there's still 22% of people undecided on that one. Mm. So, wow. But, I mean, that is not a good set of polling. No, it's and, not. You know, and, and, yes, Trump is losing, but it's he is trailing by seven points about on average in these polls. Yeah. Um, it's a soft seven. Like, the fact that he's, t- he's that close is actually impressive based on the underlying numbers. We don't know what's going to happen. Things can change. Blah, 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 blah. But, man, he is uh, not a good candidate. I mean, he might, he might beat her because she's also terrible, but that's about the only hope he has. I, I don't have a dog in the fight. Yeah, so I don't, I, I, I don't even, I honestly don't know who to uh, even hope wins because obviously I'm voting for somebody else. I don't know who that is yet. Probably right in Ted Cruz. Um, but as far as the overall winner... You know, you you have a preference usually. You think, well, okay, of these two, uh, who is the lesser of the two evils, even though I can't vote for either one of them, because it's still evil. So which one would I want to win? I don't even know. I honestly don't know which one's worse. I really, it's, I think think he is, but I'm not positive on that. Yeah, because she's so unbelievably bad. She is unbelievably bad. However, um, my, you know, the two points that I keep coming back to, I think, P.J. O'Rourke was right in that, like, she's wrong on everything, but she's wrong within normal parameters. It's a devil yeah, we know. That's right. Um, I that, think that is correct. That is a legitimate point. The other point is, and the part that probably sways me even more, is the fact that, in theory, there will actually be opposition to Hillary Clinton. There will not be opposition to Donald Trump, yeah. w- at least when he says liberal things. Now, there will be opposition to Hillary when she does liberal things, um, for sure, because there will be at least some senators. I don't know that there will be... Uh, I, they're very well. Might, they might give her a filibuster-proof majority, and that's only because Donald mm. Trump is so bad. Um, right. You know, I would not be s- stunned to see a huge blowout and see her come away with not only the presidency but 60 votes in the Senate. Um, it's terrifying, but it's I think very incredibly possible. The House is going to be very difficult, but it's possible. Um, it's possible in in a eight to ten point type of margin um, that the Republicans could lose the House. Is that possible? Probable. One of the two. Mm. I mean, it's certainly possible. Yeah. I don't know that it's probable at this point. My guess is because people are very entrenched in their views. I mean, Donald Trump, a guy who is horrible uh, and only got 40 percent of the vote of the in the primary, um, still is, has 84 percent of Republicans voting for him right now. Um, now, Hillary's a little higher on that. And, sh- and I think both will probably increase as we get closer. 
Um, so, I mean, he'll probably wind up with 85 to 90 percent of Republicans voting for him, um, you know, because people are just entrenched. And if, if that happens, he will likely not lose by 10 points. He'll probably lose by six. Uh, but, you know, she'll probably get in the mid-90s. I mean, she's gonna, she, those Sanders people, they, they just did a poll on it. It's, they, they're going six to one to Clinton already. Yeah, the Sanders people happened. are not going to go with Donald Trump. No. no. Much as he t- tries to play up to him. I, I don't know what that just because of trade, you're gonna you're gonna jump from from Bernie Sanders as socialist to Donald Trump? Probably not. You're probably not gonna do that. Meanwhile, Liberty University President Jerry Falwell Jr. became the subject of oh, controversy yesterday. He uh, tweeted out a photo of he and his wife with Donald Trump, and then peeking out behind uh, them in the photo around the shoulder of Falwell's wife Becky was a uh, framed Playboy magazine. Yeah, of, of, Isn't that Donald's, wonderful? Isn't, there it is. on the cover, big deal. Uh, there it is, Playboy magazine. And He's everyone, on the right that's there. That's the one with Donald on the cover. Yeah, it sure is the one with Donald on the cover. I mean, that's just the, all the mags that give him yeah, love. Right, that's what it is. Look, I don't, I don't get it, obviously. Uh... You know, I don't know what he's doing. I, I, mean, I, I we really do I, respect Liberty University. Yeah, in a big I way. really uh, like Jerry Fall. I like I mean, him as a person. I I don't understand what's happened. Here. I mean, of all, you know, really weird. And I tend to agree more with the you know the pastor that Glenn was reading from this morning on this particular issue. But it's like, if anyone is going to stand and not go for the lesser of two evils, it should be the church. Right. I mean, I. I Right. I just don't understand why you. I mean, and the justification. Well, uh, every everyone has had problems. Look through the Bible. A lot of those people were problems. Well, first of all, they they came around, right? They came around to faith. They mm-hmm. came around to Jesus. So they came around. They had a come to Jesus moment in their lives, um, which is kind of why they're featured. Secondarily, they realized how bad they were. This is a man who says he has never asked for forgiveness because he's too good. Yeah, they were people who've repented. Yeah, they repented. They went he through this process. Hasn't. He hasn't done that. He's and how do we know that? He said it. Unless he's lying, still. Um, again, I, none of this is good. Not, and if you're a, no. if you're someone who comes from a faith background, because I can understand. You can say it. that about anybody. You could say that. Well, nobody's perfect, and everybody's got flaws. You can say that about Hillary. You can say that about Obama. Say you can say Ted about Cruz. about Ted Cruz. You can say about everybody. Of course. of course, we're all flawed. And you know, you can also say it about people who have done much worse things. I mean, there are people who. Yeah. Have gone and uh, uh, Hutch. Remember Hutch, who passed away a couple of years ago. He did yeah. a show here on the Blaze. I mean, he describes he would describe his early life as horrible in many ways. Mm-hmm. He was violent. He was angry. He did all sorts of bad things. He with turned his reason. life around. And of in course, in some cases, with good reason, right? he was angry. Does God use that? Absolutely. I mean, I, yeah. I, it's hard to think of anyone he used in a, in a more effective way than 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 Hutch. Mm-hmm. However. That was because Hotch came around. Changed. He wasn't still doing these things. Right. He wasn't still beating people up. He wasn't still hating white people. That's not what he did. He, he had a change. And, you know, Trump is still doing this. And, like, I can understand as a person of faith where you would say, hey, uh, you know what? I respect, um, uh, you know, Donald Trump as a businessman. I don't think but I, I want to work with him, though. To try to get past these things. And if, if he can get past these things and have that moment of change, then I can support him. Mm-hmm. But to act as if you can just support him now, I mean, it's, it's, un, it's absolutely unfathomable. And to a point that here's a guy who, uh, in Jerry Falwell, who gave Glenn an honorary doctorate, right? 
obviously mm-hmm. respects Glenn immensely. Doesn't agree with him, I'm sure, on everything, but it, it respects Glenn immensely to do something like that. And now is supporting a candidate who put on his faith-based uh, commission a guy who calls Mormonism a cult. He is on his ad- religious advisory committee. He calls Mormonism a cult. Who did he put on? Jeffers. Oh, he did? Yeah. Or Jeffers, whatever his name is. Yeah, whatever. I know um, who you're talking about. Total nut job. And not just about Mormonism. It's just the one, the, the, the example that's closest to the show. But think of how ridiculous this is. Um, and he puts him on. You want to sit on the same committee as this guy? I mean, it's unfathomable to me. Um, but, you know, this is who he is. This is what he is. And it's a reason why I said this poll uh, you might appreciate here, Pat. This is uh, uh, from Utah. Uh, I think this is it. Yes, here it is. Now, uh, the, the, Trump has gone back and forth from slight leads to about tied in Utah uh, with Hillary Clinton. His numbers have been poor. Um, the thing you're finding is the uh, undersampling of younger people in the polls where Trump does well. So Trump is doing better with older uh, people than he is with younger people. But listen to this as it's broken down between 18 and 34 voters, between 18 and 34. This is Utah. This is not just uh, Republican voters. It's not just, you know, conservative leaners. These are all voters. Voters between 18 and 34. Gary Johnson, 32 percent. First place. (laughs) Second place, Hillary Clinton, 26 percent. Last place, Donald Trump, 16 Mm. Johnson, among younger voters in Utah, is beating Trump 32 to 16. And Hillary Clinton is in second. Now, if you don't if you Mm. sample that would, you know, uh, the appropriate amount uh, for younger voters, or at least the the way they voted in past patterns, you would find Hillary Clinton winning easily. And maybe got Johnson slides into second. I mean, it's not at all implausible to see a Republican finish third in Utah. That now, would be something else. I, of course, his wow. move to respond to polling like this is to put a guy who calls Mormonism a cult on his religious v- advisory committee. So whether that's going to work or not, I don't know, Utah, but you should be able to, you should think about whether you think this guy is the lesser of two evils. Is he? Does, does Hillary yeah, Clinton no. have any advisors no. that are calling Mormonism a cult? Does, does she? I don't think so. Not that we know of, anyway. Not that we know of. Not in public. Triple eight seven two seven back. It might be a good time to start your short-term emergency food supply. <laughs> hey, really? <laughs> yeah, it's a weird yeah, time to know, bring that as, up. As we talk about, you know, just things going on in general. I mean, who knows when a freak snowstorm will happen, or you know, the snowstorm. That's what you're. <laughs> <laughs> or who knows when we'll elect the worst president in American history, and he'll. Tank the economy, or create some problem with a with a with an enemy of ours, and we'll be in a world of hurt. I mean, you just want to be prepared for anything, including uh, maybe job loss for a few days. Mm-hmm. But this Jeffy, is a good way to example. start, right, yeah. Jeffy? Jeffy, you know, Jeffy you should be always be prepared for something like job loss. Oh my gosh, you should. Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh my you gosh, really, uh, you I mean, really should. You in particular secure right now. Is, so, but you can get a seventy-two hour uh, food supply for ten dollars right now, Jeffy. That's still a pretty good deal. Pretty yeah, good I deal. Mean, uh, better it than is. a pretty good I mean, deal. Seventy-two hour food. Right. While you still have ten dollars, Jeffy, you should spend it on this. Well, I mean, yeah, because job loss. Right. And stuff. Uh, so seventy-two hours uh, of food for ten dollars. 
It helps in any emergency, like, for example, job loss, Jeffy. Preparewithablaze.com, 888-411-6844. It's prepare- you seem to be highlighting job loss. Well, job Jeffy. loss is an important one. You brought it up, I believe. Right. Yes, I did, uh, Jeffy. And, and, I did, Jeffy, I did bring it up. Yep. And if you, if you so. notice what he was saying there about job loss, Jeffy, it's something that you should think about yeah. while you still have money and haven't spent it all. What we're saying is, like, if you lost your job, right. you'd have at least three days of food. Like you were, like, really unemployed. You might want to even plan for longer than that, because if you lost this job, nobody's going to hire you. That's a good point. You know what I mean? Preparewithablaze.com is a place to go. Preparewithablaze.com. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on wash and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. Triple eight seven two seven back. It's Pat and Stu. Uh, mother used a photo of her three-year-old daughter standing on the toilet. Do we have that photo? Uh, let's see if we have that. Uh, and we do. And there's the photo of her daughter standing on the toilet. Thought it would make a funny photo to share with her husband. But Stacy Feely from Michigan broke down when her daughter told her that she actually. She was actually practicing a lockdown drill that she learned at her preschool in case of an attack by a gunman. So uh, standing up there on the toilet, so you couldn't, I guess, if you look underneath the stall, you don't see any feet there, right? So it makes sense. At the moment, all innocence of it's what I thought that I, works, by the way. Like, I, everyone knows this trick. Um, and, of course, it's what I did, but it's what they did in freaking Orlando, and the survivors described how it worked. Yeah. I mean, and they even fired into the stall a few times, but like this guy never apparently opened the door. And that's what I'd be concerned about. Well, you don't want to you don't want to mess with somebody's privacy in the bathroom, right? (laughs) That's a good point, (laughs) right? That's like uh, the gun law. They're not going to break the gun laws, but they're going to break the murder laws. (laughs) Yes, Uh, and the same thing here. They'll they'll break the murder laws, but they're not going to break the privacy. Look how cute she is. I know. Uh, uh, I just I don't know. She says at that moment, all innocence of what I thought my three year old possessed was gone. Uh, in her post, which has been picked up by CNN and CBS, called out politicians that urged them to act. This is your child, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your future generations to come. They'll live their lives and grow up in this world based on your decisions. No one thinks gun control will be 100% crime control, but maybe, just maybe it helps 1% or 2% or 50%. Who knows unless <laughs> we try. Um, perhaps uh, if we had... Uh, better media you would know it's been tried uh, actually many times yeah. and and uh, you're missing the other part of the equation which is that it can increase crime uh, and actually ask 
um, I don't know, every victim of a mass shooting where they were standing when it occurred. And you'll find that they were in a place where guns were banned. Uh, that's where they were. Shockingly, they still were shot by the mysterious gun that m- somehow figured out how to get past that invisible force field called a gun-free zone. Yeah, ask um, the 55 people in Chicago where we have the toughest gun control in the in the country. Mm-hmm. Ask the 55 people. Uh, well, you can only ask about 42 of them because 13 of them are dead. <laughs> but ask the other 42... If the gun control worked really well, because the answer is no. Uh, Chicago ask, is... Ask the victims in Paris where there's right. really restrictive gun laws. Right. Ask them about it. Ask the people in... Uh, ask the, the MP in Great Britain. Uh, ask... I mean, look, the bottom line is um, that the gun, the evidence of that gun control works is invisible. I mean, we're talking about things that... They took away a third of the guns from a country and saw no benefit from it. A third of the guns. None of the stuff they're talking about now would do anything like that. In fact, none of the policies currently being um, uh, currently being discussed would take one gun off the street. It would restrict the new guns from coming in. So all of these proposals would not cut one existing gun from the streets. 320 million guns that are out there right now, all of them would stay out there right now under these proposals. What they're talking about is instead of it cutting, uh, going from 320 million to 310 million to, or 320 million to 330 million, it would go 320 million to 329 million 985,000. Like what we're talking about here is, would not have any effect on crime. They did an assault weapons ban in the 90s. It was tried, had no effect on crime, did not help at all. The fact that you have an emotional picture of your kid standing in a toilet does not change that. Sadly, it does not change that. Um, so this has been tried. Your daughter's yeah, freaking what, what adorable, if it helped, what if it but that doesn't help your argument. What if it helped one percent? It doesn't. What if it did, though? But it doesn't. We don't know unless we try. Yes, we do know, and we have tried. <laughs> we haven't tried this. Yes, we have. Have this you tried specific... standing on a toilet? Have you tried that? I haven't tried it. I've I have never stood, stood on a on, toilet before. Especially not in my bare feet, like this brave little girl. <laughs> I'm not doing that. That's the bravest I'm part I'm not of this. doing that. That's really nasty. Uh, uh, you know what we haven't tried, though, is we haven't yet banned a rifle emoji. If we ban the <laughs> rifle emojis, then... Then we've helped it one or two no, or fifty percent. The last time they did it, assault weapons ban, there was no rifle emoji. Right, but now there is. <laughs> so what if we had the two together? You ban the assault weapons and the rifle emoji. But I mean, when lives, something though. doesn't exist, it's uh-huh. kind of banned. Yes. Like well, for example, the of. internet That's was true. banned in the 1700s. <laughs> right? You can make an argument. You could. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you could. Okay. Yeah, but if you do both, you're saving lives. Right no, then, immediately. No, you're not. Immediately, you're saving lives. It's a digital icon. So tech a... giants led by Apple, this is unbelievable, have decided to contribute constructively. To keeping Americans safe by scrapping the rifle emoji that had been made available for their smart device app. Stop it. Because how many lives have been lost at the hands of a rifle emoji? How many? Now count carefully. I want you to include up to and including <laughs> yesterday. Including that really tragic thing. Including that really, yeah, oh that really God. bad one. What about the, the Ohio one? Are you, are you, uh, yes, because, you know, there's still four uh, dead there. Uh, right, not from the not, rifle emoji. But, but there's other ones. Um, I, my but calcul- from Nixon's 10 soldiers, there are. But, uh, okay, 
all of it together, even including, I want you to include Russia in this. Oh, my gosh, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's good. Then we're going to get And China. Uh, Wait a minute. And Japan. Even after the uh, nuclear disaster. Uh, okay, all of it together. We do know that the rifle emoji was responsible for Fukushima. Yes. We do know that right. um, now. Um, so we're, all, all of them combined, zero. <laughs> None? You know why? Because it's just a little digital picture on your cell phone. It's not actually a weapon. It's the same number, in fact, as the uh, uh, level two lookalike firearm. Uh, this. Whoa, 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 whoa. Boom. Whoa. I even shot it. Oh and still, you're not dead. Bastard. Not even one. By the way, Jeffy, also the same amount of deaths caused by the Fukushima nuclear incident. Wow. Zero. Wow. What do you have to say to that? <laughs> I have to say, right there proves you're probably lying about the rifle emoji because you're lying about that. I mean, that is just so stupid. Here's the thing, and this is something that everybody so in America needs to freaking learn. Everybody in politics, every mom with kids on their toilets needs to learn this thing. The cute little adorable thing that your daughter does doesn't make your political argument better. Standing on a toilet does not eliminate the Second Amendment. The fact that you are mourning a terrible tragedy, uh, the fact that someone related to you has had a horrible thing happen to them, does not mean we get rid of the Constitution. None of these things have any place in the argument about policy. The fact that the stupid Democrats are doing a sit-in after the Democrats in the Senate already overruled gun control legislation... The fact that they're sitting in the Senate and saying, oh, wow, we must do something. The fact that they're trying to capitalize on dead bodies and the emotions surrounding their demise is not applicable to what the best policy is. And I don't care how many times you try it, the Republicans do the same thing as we've noticed here with Donald Trump. Making decisions when you're emotional is a terrible thing to do. It never works. And yet again, they keep trying it every single time. Uh, but it does not affect the Constitution. The Constitution is designed specifically to, re- to resist emotion, resist uh, emotional decision-making. It's there to stop you and your toilet-standing daughter from making decisions for the rest of the country. That's why it's there. You do want to thank Apple, though, for banning the rifle emoji. Of course, right? that's because uh, there's Google no there's no Microsoft. constitutional rights to right, uh, gun emojis, right. just guns. Yes, thank you. Triple eight seven two seven Beck. More patents too coming up. Thank you, Apple. Thank you for banning that frightening emoji. Thank you and Microsoft. Tell you something that happens off the air all the time. This happens all, every day, every day. Hey, Jeffy, uh, you ready to do your segment? Yeah, I can get a couple. Of I can probably find something. We're not asking you to probably find something after we ask you that, what you're doing for your segment. The point of you having a segment in which you discuss the stories important to you is to find the stories and bring them to the table. 
and God. say, yeah, I've got some great stuff. stuff I'm passionate for you today. about stuff I care about. Here are some interesting things in my life that, that could concern the audience, that would interest the audience. Instead, what you do. Ah, yeah, you know, I could probably dig something up and pull something uh, out of my rectal la- cavity. The, yeah, like we're not asking right. you to start Googling when we say, right. hey, today is a good, we're going to do your segment. You're supposed to bring <laughs> stories to the table for the segment. So when we go to you, you have something well, to talk about. Is that part of the deal? Yeah, 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 it is part yeah. of the deal. So, and by the way, let's not forget what his last one was. Uh, I'm filling in for Jay Severin today. That's, that's, not, that's not what the segment is. I'm glad you're filling in for Jay Severin. By the way, I'm, I'm filling sure in for Jay Severin again today. So those right, but that's not the, that's not the segment. Go, uh, we now, look, care. we all understand that there's a lot of people who are angry about you filling in for Jay Severin. We got it. That is, is it a news story? Yes. Am I getting a lot of tweets about it? Yes. Do they want Jay back? Yes. However, that's not a segment. Okay. What we're looking for is you to find stories in the news. But here's the segment. Here's the opener. Bang! Right here are some stories that Jeffy found and felt like sharing with us so we don't have to talk anymore. All right. There we go. Now, here's the... Well, I mean, we just started talking about it. I didn't even have time to... (laughs) Here's the worst. (laughs) I didn't even have time to look anything up. But, I mean, I guess we could talk about, uh, you know, the new stadium and... So bad. In Arlington. The uh, billion-dollar Texas Ranger Stadium that they'll be voting on in November. <laughs> Wait, that the what? City Council, uh, They're going to okay. do another new stadium for, for the Rangers? That's correct, because the uh, the uh, stadium I, that's there now is too old. I really like Too old? Stadium. It's like yeah. four years old! <laughs> oh, it's been around a while. No, it's been around 90s, a long time now. How long? When did the, when so, was that built? Come on, when was that built? Was it even... Is it 20 years old? I think their deal is... No way. Uh, let's see. I, I really... that. Oh, this is a billion-dollar baseball stadium. He actually read the story, so he well, know I, the I, I did, but I don't questions. care how old the story is. I'm telling you that they want to spend a billion dollars. Yeah, we don't care how old the story on... is either. What we care about is how old the stadium is. <laughs> uh, golly, then look it up yourself. <laughs> no, this is your segment. Look it up You're yourself. You're supposed to know these things. So. Okay, so they're going to do a billion-dollar baseball stadium, which I don't think anybody's... Well, maybe the Yankees did, right? Was there, was there a stadium? Built yeah, it was ni- over a billion. 1994, by the way, Bill. 94. Okay, so it's 22 years old. I, really? Way too old. And they need a new stadium. Wait, they need a new stadium. They've, <clears throat> wow. on it. They've already approved it. They just got... Now people have to vote on it because it's a... Uh, That's amazing. They want the... What's the... A, uh, according to the original plan... They were saying that it was going to be uh, $500 million. Okay. And, uh, Sorry, up to a billion. Well, for the city to pay. But, okay. I, but for, the, for the city to pay. But I think that they've now re-looked at some of the plans, and it's, <laughs> it's going to end up being like seven or $800 million. It's interesting. Because, that, and, that's and that's from the, the taxpayers? Yeah. So the taxpayers are going to be asked to put almost a billion dollars worth of where, this. What comes in, they want to use the same wow. money that they used for AT&T Stadium. But that money overlaps for a couple of years, so they've got to do some bookkeeping. And what do they do with the old still stadium? Pay for the, the old stadium goes away after they build the new one. They bulldoze it? The new, yeah, the new one they're building in a couple of the parking lots close by. Retractable roof. Whole thing. The retractable roof thing is certainly tempting. Yes. Yeah, uh, I love, I'm, and you need that in Texas. I mean, it's I'm just a big fan of, of a roof over every stadium. Me for too. Every sport. Air conditioning is just it's imperative in the summer. In uh, that's why Houston did it. You know, they you close that roof and you just hope and pray they've got it closed every time you go to Minute Maid Park because it's so freaking hot. 
all you want is to sit there in air conditioning. Also, too, the sun just beating down on you. It's, it's yeah, I, I mean, it's tough, but it's summer. It's, it's baseball. I mean, I, but I, the owner should pay for it. Yes. What, uh, yeah. Well, what actually, are they asking the people for the amount that the the people should pay. Uh, well, it's, it's a nine digit number. Eight of those digits are right. Zero. Uh, the one at the very beginning is problematic, though. Uh, mm-hmm. In all seriousness, there should never, ever, ever be a tax dollar spent. Well, the loss of the Rangers, though, Stu, is uh, $77 million annually. Well, first of all... And uh, there's no business sitting on the doorstep saying we're going to step into the void. Every single, okay. every single time uh, they give you those numbers, they're bullcrap. But uh, beyond that, you can at least make an argument, maybe... When you're luring a uh, team to your city, mm-hmm. Arlington already has the team. They're already right. making the seventy-seven million dollars. Now, is is there another team out there offering a billion? Another city offering a billion dollars? Is Dallas offering it? I mean, I haven't heard of that. Maybe they are. Um, maybe Irving is. No, I think that uh, they tried and they didn't. Want that so there's you're competing against nobody, and they want to spend a billion dollars. Much of it. Uh, being uh, money from the people. I mean, I, I would reject it in a second, but it'll pass because it always passes because people don't think of it as their money when they don't have to spend it immediately or write a check. They yeah, is, like, it a, uh, is it a uh, bond? The bond. Is that what it is? I think it is, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's crazy. Borrowing it's crazy. money to pay for a stadium. For I mean, a by the way, stadium. this is not like... And there's I no mean, bigger sports fans than we are. We love sports. Oh, God. And I, I love baseball. I love football. I love basketball. Shouldn't have to pay for the stadiums. Never. Should never. not have to do it. And again, like this is, you want to talk about a bad example. Number one, it would be the same cities. They're already making the revenue. They'd just be keeping right. the revenue. They're not seemingly competing against anyone for this revenue. Mm-hmm. In addition, like I went to Shea Stadium back in the day, okay, uh, in New York. You want to talk about a stadium that needed to be replaced? I love Shea Stadium, but it was, you know, it's a terrible old stadium. There are many stadiums in America that could really use a replacement. Mm-hmm. The, the stadium the Rangers play in is awesome. It's I nice. really like it. I mean, yeah. it's really it's a great stadium. And again, you could probably it, for it seems new. Yeah, it, it's, it does. It, it feels newer than 1994. I'll say it's that. built just like all the brand new ones yeah. that you know everybody raves about. Yeah. Camden Yards and all the all the new ones. PNC, yeah, PNC, the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah, those are all old now. We need to get rid of them. And they did a good job of like it doesn't feel like you're in a parking lot. There, even though like it's it's a, you know it's housed essentially. In a, there's the Cowboy Stadium is there. Six yeah. Flags is there. There's a water park there. Everything, but it's in just a giant flat yeah. uh, parking lot. But because of the way they built the center field with the the boxes out there, it feels like you're in a little like city environment. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like you're in the middle of a giant parking lot. They did such a good job with that park. Why in the hell would they screw with it? I don't if know. If you're gonna do anything. You might want to do some, you might can do maybe some upgrades or, you know, certainly maybe there's some, if they want to add luxury boxes or whatever, there's certainly stuff they could do for a lot cheaper than a billion dollars. And just so you know that it's going to pass, it, we, Stu, I mean, do we all agree they, that they it, will, always pass. it yes. will pass? But it will simply pass because voters in McKinney, the last time uh, we voted mm-hmm. not long ago uh, for the the elections, and then they had their little uh, sections for bonds. Uh, McKinney. Oh, is this uh, the football stadium? $62.8 million uh, fo- high school football stadium going to be built in McKinney. They say yes? Yes. They did. Yeah. Voters approve it. 62 $2 million dollars for a freaking high school. That's uh, still not as much as they spent in Houston on that, on that beautiful, uh, what's it called? It's like Barry something, the Barry Stadium. It's this complex. It's $80 million, and it's just this beautiful stadium. 
And then up in Allen, which is close yeah. to us as well, they spent another sixty-five to eighty million. Nobody will, really knows the exact price. Do you have an update on that? Stadium? And then they had to rebuild it. Yeah, they pretty they that, closed it for a right. whole season because it was about to fall in. So did they? Have they started yeah, they, playing there? They, they already fixed, they already it. fixed yeah. it. And so, uh, yeah, Allen played in the stadium again this year. But last year they couldn't play in the stadium because they were rebuilding it. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And then now McKinney, and another we, one. We did the story, um, Reason did the story, and we, we featured it here on uh, this, the minor league stadium in Hartford, which they right. oh, millions yeah. of dollars, uh, Hartford, Connecticut, millions of dollars going to this minor league team. They pulled it away from New Britain, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, whether people actually go, who knows, but the team is now on the road for its first, like, 60 games because they couldn't finish it in time. <laughs> uh, they're spending a fortune, and Hartford is not a city, as you know, Pat. I mean, you, you mm-hmm. remember, we worked in Connecticut, uh, mm-hmm. both you, I, and uh, me, you, and Glenn uh, all worked in Connecticut, um, and I grew up there. Hartford's not a city where it's like, wow, here's a growing um, nightlife, like thriving, thriving center. There no, are cool not. areas of it, but yeah. it's limited, and it, you know it's mainly a corporate center. It's not. It's. I mean, they're not going to get anybody to these games. No. I, I mean, New Britain because it was the only thing in town. People were like loved it. They loved that team. Uh, uh, Connecticut only exists because it's close to New York. <laughs> it's 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 conveniently situated between New York and Boston, and that's the only reason for it. It's a it's a nice place to live that's not in either of those cities. It houses a highway between those two cities. That's about it. Uh, that's, that's the about main, it. main function of it. More Pat and Stu coming up in a sec. By the way, I grew up there and went to high school there and, and elementary school, and I still feel that way. Yes. <laughs> this is why I live here now. Triple back as patents do. They're going to teach you a new climate change phrase. Heat dome. Heat dome. We go to our staff meteorologist, Jeffy, for the uh, meaning of a heat dome. Of a Jeffy? heat dome? A heat dome. <laughs> why, did, why don't you have a question mark at the end of, of a heat dome? I mean, you're a meteorologist, right? <laughs> right. Right. I, At I, least you play one on I, TV. I so. always wanted to be a meteorologist, yes. Okay. That's different than what you said before. It sure is, isn't it? All of a sudden, he's not too uh, not too confident about the meteorology thing. Well, look, some citizens are encouraged to uh, avoid going outdoors because of the heat dome, okay? Yeah, excessive heat warnings in the American Southwest. What's behind the, the high temperature summer kickoff? An increasingly common meteorological phenomenon do- dubbed the heat dome. Basically, uh, they're created when high-pressure systems form in mid to upper atmosphere. The air pressure pushes warm air down towards the surface, traps it there. I mean, it's the same stuff that's always happened on this planet. Uh, But this weekend's heat dome has the potential for similar record-shattering effects. What was that? What? I'm just telling you, it comes along the high pressure system He's up trying here. To do so you come down here and you're going to be trapped right over us there. The can we get a map or something so that Jeffy can actually do the meteorology <laughs> instead of his little weather expert thing? We should get that at some point. Because Jeffy, I mean, Jeffy goes into meteorology, meteorology, I can never do it. Uh, that weather guy mode, very consistently. I mean, the guy knows mm-hmm. a lot about weather. He knows enough about, as much about weather as he knows about nutrition. So Right. Right, right. I know a lot about nutrition, I'll have you know. You do, actually. Mm. You just don't utilize that information. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's important for other so. people to utilize that information. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's hot in the American Southwest. And, you know, and why? Uh, global warming. Yeah. Uh, wonderful well, World of Sea this week, by the way. Global warming monologue. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah, coming up here, I think, in a minute, right? No, no that's another racist, racist. Oh, yeah, racism. Racist, racism. Coming up. Is it time to visit our daily conversation about OJ yet? Do we get that yet? Yeah. I mean, because, you know, that's yeah, breaking there. news. I mean, mm-hmm. think about it. OJ feels like forever ago, uh, roughly the same year as the stadium in Arlington was built. Right. Which is weird. That one feels yeah, much more recent. That's true. Um, however, uh, the OJ thing, uh, we talked about a little bit um, off the air, uh, maybe a little on the air, I don't remember, on radio. Uh, we're both at the same point in the documentary. Um, we're through four episodes. If you're going to watch it and you care and you don't remember all the details, you uh, maybe we we have some spoilers here. I don't know. Do we? I I don't know. I I really forgot the preponderance of evidence against the guy. Yeah. I just I I mean there was his blood at the crime scene. There was his and their blood in his Bronco planted. There was his blood and theirs. Walking up the trail to his house and in his house. Yeah. Unbelievable. Not to mention the the glove behind Cato Kalin's right. thing. And, and, which was supposedly and, planted by Mark Furman. Which was ridiculous. But because because the best argument against us, and they made this in both the series and in the in the documentary, is how would Furman know he didn't have an alibi? Right. He would have no idea where this guy was. So if he was going to plant the glove and then two hours later find out that he was at a restaurant or he was walking, at, he was going to a McDonald's where everyone recognized him, uh, and that did kind of happen, but earlier out of that time. To, then the time you would know he, he would know the glove. he couldn't have done it. Right. And you would know it. You know he would have to come up with what another? Uh, I don't know. Someone was uh, had the glove and then murdered them, then went to O.J.'s house, then dropped the glove, then went somewhere else. Like, I mean, it would, the, he would have had no excuse. Everyone would have known he Mark it. Mark Furman's level of hate for O.J. Simpson yeah. showed no bounds, and it didn't matter whether O.J. had an alibi or not. And that's basically what the, <laughs> what the jury did. Yeah, I mean, they just said, well, this right. guy said he never said the N-word, and he did, so the yeah. guilty. I mean, not guilty. Um, you know, it Furman. really was. It was Mark Furman that was on trial, not not. And OJ. the glove, the the. And it kind of was Mark Furman that was found guilty of using the N word, yeah. and so OJ skated. It's 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 amazing that happened, and you, you you know, even though we lived it and we're immersed in it and we're it was super saturated our culture, uh, and I was sick to death of it by the end of it. Uh, you still forget some of the details. Yeah, yeah. And watching this again has been fascinating because, uh, first of all, I didn't like Marsha Clark at all during the trial. Mm-hmm. In this documentary, I like her a lot. Yeah, I've completely flip-flopped on that issue. Completely. Because I really, at the time, thought she kind of was incompetent, and they really screwed yeah, this up. Yeah, that's what and I thought, too. They... She really wasn't. No, you know, really, she was, I think, really She was against and... a lot of the stupid errors they made. Yeah. Uh, and even Chris Darden, who was responsible, at least mostly for, uh, at least partially, for the the glove uh, incident, um, 
was I think he was actually really smart too. Yeah. I mean, especially he was I, you pretty can really get too. the sen- you get the sense of that from the series, especially where they really are a lot of the interaction between Darden and Marsha Clark is illustrated, and it, it's uh, you know I I kind of wound up really liking them a lot, um, and you know. It's funny because people look back at the Dream Team and say, wow, what a brilliant strategy. They were able to do this. Well, first of all, the tapes really helped them. The fact that they were able to take the main person who found most of the evidence and say, oh, he's a racist, completely changed that. And they had no idea that was coming. They didn't know there was going to be evidence of him on tape saying the N-word. That was a gift. Uh, they even describe it. Uh, the, one of the lawyers was called "Pennies from Heaven" or something. Right. Right. Um, you know, a total gift, and it totally changed the trial. Secondarily, uh, it was early enough in the life of uh, you know the way we look at crime that enough people didn't understand DNA. When we, we say now, like the, his blood was here, his blood, his blood was there. The question was at the time, how do they know it was his blood? Mm-hmm. That was really the way people thought about it. They knew DNA existed, but they didn't really understand <clears throat> that it was reliable. Um, at that point, it was not known, uh, really. People, people certainly didn't understand it. Now, the scientists did. Uh, the prosecutors understood it. In fact, even Barry Sheck, who was on the defense team, completely understood it. And Marsha Clark made really good points about how he just went off and did whatever he wanted, knowing, absolutely knowing he was lying. And they asked Barry Sheck about it in the documentary, and he's like, uh, do you believe that O.J. Simpson, this, this evidence was planted? Uh, what I believe really I, doesn't figure right, into it. Uh, there's one moment where it's got to be ten seconds of him looking around going, um, and look, um, you know, what I am, we presented arguments um, he started that, that we, sentence about four different times. Uh, look, uh, let me start again. I mean, that's an amazing <laughs> moment of tell. Just that is worth the price of admission for that documentary of really him is. trying to struggle when you know he completely believes that either OJ did it or at least the fact that that, that evidence was not planted. You know he believes it watching him say it, but he yep. can't obviously bring himself to say that. So he says, oh, well, look, we just presented what we thought was best for the client which is such a freaking lawyer cop-out. I don't believe, and I don't know how you feel about this, Pat, I don't believe the um, responsibility of the lawyer that is defending a criminal is to present the best possible defense that includes completely lying. I, I can, they deserve the best possible defense that that uh, that you can truthfully that give. Can truthfully give. Yeah, I believe that. And I, I really think that lawyers have mm-hmm. stretched that into. Look, I got to say whatever yep. I can. I got to blame Mark Furman, Ron Ship, who's a police officer, who's a good friend of OJ, who didn't want to testify against him, who eventually did because saw he the crime scene, saw the crime scene photos of Nicole almost decapitated. Which, by the way, they showed in full detail. In the I, I'd never seen those. Photos. I'd never seen and, it, in full and they're detail. horrific. They're oh horrific. my gosh! I mean, her head is Oof. basically not on her shoulders, and most Oof. of that happened. They believe so after she was dead. So she was stabbed. He went and dealt with Ron Goldman, killed him, then went back to Nicole and tried to decapitate her. I mean, this is psychotic. I mean, beyond psychotic. It's not just an episode of rage. It's crazy. But I mean, to see that and act as if you should come out and say, well, do all these things and try to blame other people when you know he did it. You know, the other thing I I didn't know, it was that 
they took the jury to his to OJ's house, and yeah. they they wanted the jury to see. Yeah, I remember that. What the kind of scene. what kind of guy OJ was, and he's got all these photographs well, on his wall. It was supposed to be not the kind of guy OJ was, but. The, what the crime scene looked right. like. Right. But the, However, really, the, there the was no crime scene because there wasn't a crime scene right. at OJ's house. Right. It, it, it happened at Nicole's house. Right. It was all just where blood So it was weird. Right. But but they somehow, Judge Ito agreed to it, mm-hmm. and they went. And they went. So and the, and what the defense brilliant. team did, mm-hmm. because it's almost an all-black jury, eight, eight black women and then four others, um, so they're they're in this house and they realize, oh my gosh, uh, OJ's got all these pictures of white people up on his wall. This isn't going to play well with. It's just jury. like him with nonstop white people. They switched them all out. Not all of them, but they switched most of the photos that that he actually had and put up pictures pictures of him, of with, him black with black people. Yeah. In fact, one of the pictures that's they chose is this real, very ethnic. I mean, that's essentially a lie. Yeah. Oh, completely. There's this one picture, it's very ethnic-like painting, yep. um, with a, a black child on it, um, and that was, it was actually Johnny from Cochran's. Johnny Cochran's house. They took a picture from Johnny Cochran's house and put it. In and OJ's. as they say in the series, it's, uh, it's on loan from the Johnny Cochran collection. Uh, they actually put it in his house, and and you know, of course, OJ had taken. It wasn't like he never took a picture with black people. He just ne- he didn't hang them in his house right. because, as they make the case in both of these things, OJ was essentially a white dude. He was a rich white dude uh, who happened to be black. <laughs> um, and you know, well, it was OJ Simpson. Well, OJ wanted to transcend race, and he did. And, and yes, part did. of he that did. is admirable, by the way. Right. Um, part of that is yes. the vision of Martin Luther King, where people he didn't he didn't Judge want to find himself character. as a black guy. He wanted to find himself as OJ. Yeah. Which and is I actually admirable. But um, but he was just obviously a terrible. But human that being that the defense team was up against that aspect of OJ, and so they changed that and fraudulently put up this picture, this overall picture of O.J., that he's, you know, he's a normal black guy just like all you jurists And in the dramatized series, which was based on Jeffrey Tubin's book, so it's based on, it's mainly factual, um, but they talk about how even the defense at the beginning had, they didn't believe this would work. Because nobody saw O.J. as this character right. where, he, and, uh, where he was this big black community guy. He resisted all of that the entire time. And in fact, they show uh, moments where O.J. himself was very uncomfortable with that approach initially. Big time. He thought it was, mm-hmm. I don't want to be seen that way. That's not me. Don't try to make this into some race thing. He was against playing the race card initially until Cochran said, by, convinced him that, like, look, this is the only way you're getting off. And they, to the point where even Cochran was wearing, like, African ties to the courtroom. And the jurors even saw through that nonsense. Um, but <laughs> Dude, that's it, amazing, though. The it whole is thing's amazing. The whole, I mean, both of these things are so amazing. And partially, it's, it was a huge... Um, news story and part of um, the last 20 years of pretty much everybody's life. But it did get to the point, Pat, you're right, where at, by the end of it, it was like, oh my God, blow my head off. Do I really yeah, I don't want to hear about OJ, OJ. One more time. Enough time has passed now where you can look back. We have so much information on it to see it presented. Mm-hmm. It's number one, incredibly obvious that he did these things. Yeah. It's incredibly obvious. I'm more uh, convinced now than I was then. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, I, I, you know. I was pretty convinced then, you know, by the end of it, obviously. At the beginning, I was such an O.J. fan. I, uh, There's no way O.J. Simpson cut his wife's head off. Yeah. There's no way. Because we didn't know about all the other stuff. Though, yeah, we didn't, we didn't know about it. And yeah. then as the trial disclosed, uh, you know, all the beatings, and they were 
early on in their marriage until, you know, this happened in 94. Yeah, horrible. I mean, so for 10, for a decade, he was beat, at least a decade, he was beating her. Just really horrific yeah, story. But. By the way, and the, the way time has treated the OJ verdict has really shown that people uh, uh, understand that. Because listen to this. This is, this is, this is uh, polling about OJ. White people. Back at, uh, and they, they covered this a little bit in the, uh, um, I think it was the, uh, I think it was the documentary, where at the time when OJ was arrested, it was something like 65% of white people thought he was guilty. And that became, by the end of the trial, 76%. So it rose, right? About 75, <laughs> 76%. Mm-hmm. Um, with black people, um, about 60% of pe- black people thought he was innocent initially and that rose to over 70 percent of black people who thought he was innocent so the trial made black people think he was more innocent and made white people think he was more guilty okay um but since then the truth has permeated a little bit back when the trial happened about 75 percent as i said of white people thought he was guilty now that number is about almost 90 percent of people think he was white people think he was guilty Black people, however, at, it, it got as low as, by the end of the trial, only about 25% of people, black people, thought O.J. was guilty. That number now is almost 60%. Oh, wow. It's above 50% of black people now believe wow. that O.J. was, in fact, guilty. And while we both complain mm. about the first two episodes, particularly episode two of this documentary, focusing so much on race and so right. much on Los Angeles and so much on the beatings and other things that were unrelated... The, the it case, provided context. The, it provides there context, were, and it, and you realize it really wasn't unrelated. No, it was not. That the entire yeah. city of Los Angeles was on trial, yeah. and OJ was this ridiculous vehicle for complaints by black people about and, police officers. Yep. And they could have made the same point a little less yeah. heavy-handed. Yeah. They were pretty ham-handed with the whole... Yes, I agree. You know, uh, but it, a little of that went a really long way. And, but I understand now why they did it, because yeah. they are showing how... He got off. Yeah, essentially. It, it's essentially a this giant excuse works. for the for black people at that time. Yes. to say, look, you have to understand they couldn't get past. They couldn't go the to the LA evidence. cops. They couldn't get past their hatred of L.A. cops because of how bad they had been and to them. Some of and it there was is some well evidence. founded. Some of it is. Well, some of it that, isn't. Yeah, yeah, some of it was. That's straight out of Compton, man. The, and the same thing. Oh right? yeah, you saw that, uh, Jeffy. Yeah, I watched it this last weekend, and they show you. Uh, they go all through that, and some of the clips are Rodney King, O.J. trial. Oh yeah, you know, and that whole and how badly the they, police treated them. They showed in the O.J. thing. They showed the Rodney King beating, over and. Over and over and over. I mean, they drummed that into your head and in the, the OJ series. Yeah, and then the not guilty thing. And it was horrific. I mean, that beating those those cops gave the guy, it is And they say it went on for unreal. like a half an hour. Real. Yeah. It's unreal. I mean, how do you keep beat? He's on the ground. They, well, Are you trying to beat him into the ground? The and the answer was yes. Yeah. I think they were. Yeah, the buildup was really bad. All the, you know, when you see uh, in, in Compton, uh, they show how badly the police treated uh, all the black people, and most of the cops were white, but not all. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that, that's an interesting part of that too, because you, you, especially the 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 Rodney King thing. I mean, you see, I think there's African American cops there too. Yeah, and they yeah. yeah, and they uh, they show that, and that was kind of the built the culmination. You know, they show how bad they were to all the neighborhoods and stuff, and then you have 
the Rodney King thing and nope. the riots and then the OJ trial mm. and you just it just all they, part of that whole big picture of them. They made a good point of the of the area. I, I can't remember who made the point about the Rodney King thing in the uh, OJ uh, documentary, but they said, um, you know, there were ten cops there for the Rodney King beating. All of them went back to the precinct and filed a report. Every single one of them filed a report. Not one of them mentioned anything out of the ordinary. Yeah. And that led people to believe, well, then this must have been ordinary. Does this happen all the time? I don't know, but it's a pretty good point. Probably did happen too much. Yes. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's yeah. the, uh, yeah. the truth. All right. On the other side of the uh, break, we've got a, uh, another story about our uh, justice system that uh, it's hard to believe that it was treated the way it is. We'll, we'll get back to that in just a second. But first, I'm going to tell you about Super Beats. Super Beats, uh, well, beets are, they're beets. Okay, they're vegetables, they're red, they kind of look like little aliens to me. Uh, they're a little creepy. Um, but inside of them are things that are healthy for you. Uh, they are rich in dietary nitrates. Uh, these are the things that can boost your energy. It's why a lot of elite athletes uh, try to uh, get these, uh, you know, try to try to have beats and, 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 you know, they try to get this stuff to go. And I don't, look, I don't know. I'm not an elite athlete. I don't know if you can tell. Not at all. But, the, you know, look. Elite athletes will do what they have to do. I mean, you look at go back to freaking Rocky. He was pouring uh, eggs down his throat that weren't even cooked. They'll do anything to be uh, to, to 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 get the benefits. I'm just not going to do that sort of stuff. I want it to be easy. I don't want to deal with crappy tasting stuff. That's why Super Beats exists for people like me. Black cherry and original with natural apple are their flavors. Uh, you can try this out. Uh, give it a shot. They're going to guarantee, uh, you're going to love the results. They're going to give you your money back, so there's no risk here. But give it a call. Give them a call, 800-951-8896, 800-951-8896. It's stewlovesbeats.com, stewlovesbeats.com. Check it out. We told you uh, we're just talking about OJ and how uh, you know the, the justice system does not always uh, for some reason <laughs> does not always do well. I didn't first, think uh, we talked about it when it first started when the when the uh, FX show started, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. and I remember thinking I am not ready for OJ again. Yeah, I, mean, I, I thought like too so close, too, but I am. But man, it, when it starts, I'm into it. Uh, yeah, then I, I heard one interview with Cuba, now. and I was like, I'm hooked. Yeah. I, want, I want back in. One of the things they did really well in this uh, in the documentary was present the OJ early years really well. Yeah, that was they cool. They showed how tremendous he was and how loved. as a tailback. Oh, and man, how he was loved he was. How great he was at USC. How great he was with the with the Bills, especially after the first two years, which were a little bit rough. Uh, but then he just became this giant hero who did transcend race and. You know, he was running through the airports for Hertz, and he was he was RC Cola guy, and he was yeah. he got every endorsement, yeah. and he was really the first big athlete endorser. Right, and I knew, of course, of OJ as like a you know great football player, but you know it was it, it was a little before my time, many of his years. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I, I knew him as a naked gun guy. Right. Like I knew he was right. a great football player, but the naked gun stuff, and I loved him in those Capricorn movies. One. He was good in that. He was good in Capricorn. Uh, yeah, he was, I love that movie. He was it? able to pull off more than you think not, he would. He's not bad. Yeah. I mean, he's not a terrific actor, yeah. he, nor was he a terrific uh, commentator for no, uh, no. That didn't go well. Monday Night Football. No, he, but was he was O.J. Simpson. But he was O.J. Simpson, and you tolerated it. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. Um, so anyway, we've been talking a lot about these criminal issues and how our criminal justice system handles them. Here's a case that uh, you might not be aware of, but it's pretty amazing. Watch. I want to tell you the story of a man named Timothy. It was the summer of 1986, and 18-year-old Timothy was just trying to earn a few extra bucks by mowing yards. But on August 28th, while making his way around the neighborhood looking for overgrown lawns, Timothy's life changed forever. He went from enjoying the sunshine on his back to feeling the unforgiving coldness of a dimly lit jail cell. For 30 years, Timothy sat on death row. And he believes, wrongfully so. Why? Well, Timothy happens to be black. And prosecutors dismissed all black prospective jurors in his case. Every day, he is faced with the memory of that all-white jury who stole his youth and condemned him to die. Timothy fought against this blatant racism every chance he could over the years. But time and time again, the state courts rejected his claim that his trial was intentionally racist. In 1988, the trial court rejected it twice. The Supreme Court of Georgia unequivocally rejected Timothy's claim when he directly appealed his conviction and sentence in 1989. A state habeas court rejected it again in 2013. More recently, the Supreme Court of Georgia again rejected it as lacking arguable merit. Justice seemed all but unattainable for Timothy until he was granted access to his prosecution file and found some new evidence that was clearly disturbing. In the notes, the name of each potential black juror was highlighted. The word black was circled next to the race question on questionnaires. In the list of possible jurors titled definite no's, the top five people were black. It seemed like compelling evidence, and the case made its way to the Supreme Court. Timothy's claim that the trial was racist was finally being taken seriously. The majority found that the prosecutors unconstitutionally allowed racial considerations to taint the jury selection process. And on May 23rd, 2016, the Supreme Court ruled seven to one in favor of Timothy, overturning his death sentence. At last, Timothy was getting the justice he deserved after three agonizing decades of rotting behind bars. People all over the world celebrated the ruling and bashed the lone dissenter, Justice Clarence Thomas. People just couldn't understand why the sole black justice had a problem righting this racial wrong. But Clarence Thomas's problem was the facts. As Thomas points out in his dissent, there were other race-neutral reasons for striking the black jurors, as the state courts of the past had acknowledged time and time again. For example, Shirley Powell, one of the qualified black prospective jurors, learned that one of her close friends was related to Timothy. She was removed. The prosecution said that Eddie Hood had been dismissed for a bunch of different reasons. He had food poisoning during the questioning. He also had a son who was the same age as the defendant, who also had been previously convicted of a crime. He was slow in responding to death penalty questions. He was a member of the Church of Christ, of which many members are morally opposed to the death penalty. And because he had a brother who counseled drug offenders, drugs were a key part of the trial. Marilyn Garrett worked with disadvantaged youth, kept looking at the ground during questioning, gave short and curt answers, appeared nervous, was too young, misrepresented her familiarity with the location of the crime, failed to disclose that her cousin had been arrested on a drug charge right before the questioning began, 
and oddly did not ask to be off the jury, even though she was a divorced mother of two children and worked more than 70 hours a week. They both had reasons to sympathize with Timothy and were released. If the striking of African-American jurors in Timothy's case was racially motivated, in addition to the race-neutral reasons, that was wrong and should never, ever happen. But prosecutors completely deny this. And quoting Thomas, as even the court admits, we do not know who wrote most of the notes that Timothy now relies upon as proof of the prosecutor's race-based motivations. We're talking about notes that no one knows who the author is while guessing at the intent of people from multiple decades earlier to overturn court after court after court. Has the racial makeup of a jury ever affected the outcome of a murder trial? Uh, yeah, yeah, all the time. OJ's defense fought to get the trial downtown to maximize the chance for black jurors and then fought to get as many black jurors as possible to be seated. Marsha Clark and Chris Darden fought to limit the amount of black jurors. It's a little unlikely that Chris Darden was racist against black people. He just wanted to win and rightly estimated that fewer black jurors would increase those chances. But even if Timothy had an all-black jury in 1986, I sure as hell hope that the verdict would have remained the same. You see, the person the media has been celebrating as some sort of civil rights hero, Timothy Tyrone Foster, was not really looking to cut lawns on that hot August day in 1986. Instead, he broke into his neighbor's home, and he bludgeoned the 79-year-old retired teacher with a fire log, threw powder in her face, broke her jaw, gashed open the top of her head, raped her with a bottle of salad dressing, and then strangled her to death with his bare hands. After he mercilessly tortured and killed her, he stole some of her drinking glasses, silverware, sheets, towels, two lamps, and some costume jewelry, possessions later found at Timothy's house and with his two sisters. There is no doubt he savagely assaulted and murdered a defenseless old woman that day because he himself admitted it. This isn't some controversial case where a more diverse jury might rationally see it differently. He's already told us he's guilty. And unless you see it as some sort of civil rights victory, for a young black man to viciously murder and rape an elderly white woman with a condiment, then you'll have to look somewhere else for the next MLK. Black or white, I think people of all walks of life can agree that someone like Timothy Tyrone Foster fully deserved his original sentence, death. He now will likely get a new trial, and I hope that's the outcome. So to review, there were race-neutral reasons for striking black jurors from the Timothy Tyrone Foster case. We don't know who wrote the controversial notes, and trying to determine intent from 30 years ago is near impossible. We really shouldn't celebrate people who murder innocent old ladies. It's in poor taste. And instead of being the villain, Clarence Thomas should be the hero here. Think about it. If there was racism behind removing black jurors all those years ago, it was because they thought a black man couldn't fairly come to an independent conclusion about another black man. This is clearly wrong. And you know who proves it wrong? Clarence freaking Thomas. The only black justice in a case of a black man being the only one 
voting to uphold his sentence. Especially now, with Justice Scalia gone, thank God for Clarence Thomas. the wonderful little stew stuff that you saw and every week is always available on demand as it is everything with this program. Um, one thing that we should try to get to this week on this show is Jeffy's uh, new program, TMI with Jeffy, uh, which is, is a little bit too much information about what Jeffy does in his own personal life. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's featured. Uh, but okay. we, let's play that tomorrow because that... Uh, right. People have asked for it. People have wanted to know. But. It's less mm-hmm. demand than you, th- than, than, than you might think. But people do really like the Jeffy segment, and that's why we're doing. We're doubling up today. There are some stories that Jeffy found and felt like sharing Wait. with us, so we don't have to talk anymore. Not nothing to do with the last part of that, where we don't want to talk anymore. Jeffy, uh, well, what's going on in the world today? I mean, I guess I can find something. Well, you're filling in for Jay Severin today. You should probably have more. I am. If those story. of you watching on Blaze TV, uh, you know, you can listen uh, listen live on Blaze Radio. Uh, from uh, 3 to 5 Eastern, and those of you that are listening on Blaze Radio, you've already heard the show, so thanks for listening. What? So what is, what is the schedule? Is Bucks on noon to 3? J7, 3 to 5. 3 to 5. This show, 5 to 7. And this show, 5 to 7. So uh, there you go. So whenever, if you're watching on TV and you're like, you know what, I want to hear that exact thing again, first of all, you go on demand. And then <laughs> when you watch it on demand, you're like, i got to hear that again live, though. Mm-hmm. Or airing, recorded airing, yeah. as it was sounded live <laughs> on the radio, you go back to Blaze Radio from 5 to 7. All right. That's what people do. Good. Jeffy, what's going on in the world? City of Austin, mm-hmm. a yep. while ago, decided to uh, ban uh, Uber and Lyft. Yes. And, uh, I know. They, they just put ridiculous restrictions on them, so they had to leave. Yes. They didn't okay. actually technically ban them. Sorry. Go ahead, Jeffy. That's, that's fine. That's all right. No problem. But, I mean, since then... Uh, DUIs have gone up uh, dramatically. <laughs> I bet they have. So I'm wondering if uh, that could have been a reason uh, that maybe Uber and Lyft were not paying the city enough money to provide services in their city. So this way they can make up for uh, revenue uh, loss with the DUIs. I mean, I know they pull people over for your safety. Right. Well, yeah. It's interesting. I mean, that's uh, so. Your your suspicion is that um, they Uber and Lyft need to pony up some cash to get back into this. Well, that and that is true. They, what they did is put all sorts of crazy licensing uh, uh, requirements on them getting drivers. So they're like, well, we can't do this anymore. Um, but you, I don't know. I mean, I, I would believe it with speeding or something like that. I don't know if they really want more drunk drivers on their streets, though. Is that that's is that what you're pitching? That like they're trying to? No, I'm pitching that. Uh, that there are more drunk drivers without Uber and Lyft. Yeah. So that way they can pull them over, and that's a lot of money, a lot of revenue. Right. You're saying that uh, they want more drunk drivers to get the revenue. Well, they want to pull more drunk drivers over. I mean, obviously, they don't want more drunk drivers out hurting people, but they get them early. And Austin is a, Austin is a big bar town, bar city. Oh, yeah. Music yeah. city. That's what mm-hmm. you do there. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's... Big nightlife city. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's interesting. I uh, I mean, I don't know how you're against this at this point. Someone, uh, and this is one of my favorite quotes about just the conservative position in, in general, and I don't remember who wrote it, but um, 
to try to communicate to younger voters. The mm-hmm. free market, it's like Uber for everything. <laughs> right. Mm. <laughs> now, in reality, Uber is just a function of the free market. But to explain it to a younger person who loves Uber, but mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you mean more regulations? Uh, no, no, this is exactly what Uber and this is what the free market does in practice. It does things like Uber, like Lyft, like Airbnb, uh, like uh, Prosper. Like, I mean, there's all mm-hmm. sorts of different, you know, Prosper is not a good example of that because they tried to shut it down. This is a loan, uh, uh, loan service. Um, but it's again crowdsourced Kickstarter though. Uh, um, what's the other one? Uh, GoFundMe. Right. All these things are just functions of the free market. eBay is a function of the free market. Um, certainly, things like Amazon and, and all these other online services are functions of the free market. Social media is a huge function of the free market. Um, it's all stuff that younger people should love. They should freaking be in love with the libertarian slash conservative position on so many things, and so many of them aren't. It's kind of sad. For sure. It's kind of sad. Was it you and and me that were talking last week, Jeffy, about Uber and what's going on with them at the airport and all over Dallas? Yeah, yeah, because I had... Apparently there's no money to be made in that industry The taxi drivers, yeah, the taxi drivers are all complaining, um, you know, that they are not making any money. And he was telling me, uh, when I when I flew in from Florida, um, I, uh, my Uber app would not connect. Mm-hmm. So I went down to the taxi, taxi stand, and the taxi guy he's, he's gonna he offers to take me home for a hundred, and the van, one van said seventy five, and so I said one Lyft van says thirty eight. And I said, yeah, all right, I'll do that. I'll do you thirty eight bucks. That's fine. Let's go. It was a hundred seventy five and thirty eight. Yeah, the wow. share van. The share van said thirty eight bucks. Okay, to go from okay. the airport to my home. Yeah. That's the share ride. All right, mm-hmm. so no telling how many people are on the van. How many people right, are you'd have to stop several so times. I said, I said, okay, sign me up. You know, and then the guy, and I thought I was going to get on that one. And he goes, no, the guy will be by in a few minutes. Okay. So as soon as that guy pulled away, another van pulls up, a different company. I forget which one. And he gets out of the car and goes, you right? I said, I already signed up for the Lyft guy. How much you charge you? That's a thirty-eight dollars. He goes for a share ride. <laughs> I'll charge you fifty dollars. I'll take you direct right now. You and me in the van. Let's go. I'm all over that. And I, I was, that. I was like, for twelve extra bucks. I know. Well, yes. I, and I was, I, and I said, yes. I just told this guy who was really nice. I said, I'll, you know, let's give him. A, he told me the guy was going to be here in a couple minutes. So just give me a couple minutes. And the guy, guy never came. Uh-huh. That guy didn't show. I was like, hey, you and me, uh, we're pals. <laughs> wow. And that's, ex- I mean, because uh, an Uber or, bucks is a an Uber X or that. a Lyft from the airport to where you live, which is in Arizona. Right. Um, but I mean, even where you live, though, should not be 50. I mean, would not be close to 50 bucks. I wouldn't think Was so. Uber? Uh, yeah, not even close. What, you, what would it be? I bet, I bet 30. Oh, really? Probably. Oh, which, which would be fine if the app would connect. Do you have Lyft as well? No. I have I both know. of them on my phone yeah. now. Because yeah. this started when we were, uh, I was at the, one of the Super Bowls, um, you know, on a couple. I guess it was two two years ago, and uh, it was the one in New York, right? No, this was no. In this, Indianapolis. No, maybe it was this past year. No, it, was, it had to be this past year because hmm. it was the San. It must have been the San Francisco one. I don't know why I can't think of this. I think it was the San Francisco one. Anyway, uh, we walked out of the stadium. And Uber was a big sponsor of the, the game. In fact, to the point that they gave them their own lot 
Oh, so wow. Uber had a lot. We're all, it was wow. only Ubers. So um, we're like, oh, we'll just walk to the Uber lot and take an Uber. Of course you get there. There's 900,000 people there. <laughs> and because everyone's on their phone, none of the, you can't get on an Uber. You can't get on any of the apps. So I, mm-hmm. it, like, it was impossible. Uh, so I was very frustrated. And then uh, my friend who has Lyft pops up the Lyft. There's 19 Lyfts like right around the corner. Because it's an Uber-sponsored event, so Lyft is just like, uh, you know, no one's looking at Lyft. They get on Lyft, easy ride home. Nice. Yeah, everybody, nice. There's like hundreds of people in the lot over there or in Lyft over here. Nice. It's nice. And they're both pretty good services. I mean, you know, they're competitors, obviously. Probably at some point they'll either merge or something. Who knows? Yeah. But a lot of the drivers are, are sign up for both, and they just wait for the one of them to, whatever, to whoever, them. whatever cycles. Whichever but it's deregulated the whole industry, right? right? This guy it's tells me, because we're driving, I'm asking, how's business? How's he doing? <laughs> so he pays a certain amount every month for the van, the use of the van. And then he pays his own way on the tolls in and out of the airport. He gets no deals on those, you know, from the state, whatever day they ding you. You can't, you can't drive by anything in Dallas, Texas without getting charged for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, so if you go into the airport, you get charged. That's just part yep. of it. You can't even drive through it for free. Yep. Um, and so he says he's paying about 1000 a month. I figure something like that so with all his fees and stuff. But he doesn't pay the airport anything. <clears throat> and he said Uber came in and changed everything for all those guys they used to have to go through background checks they used to have to pay another fee to the airport they used to have to do all this uber came in and when they first came into dfw uh, remember they had the big deal where uber couldn't be there they were trying to let the the taxi drivers right and then he said that lasted but now that's all gone Uh, he said that didn't last very long that's all gone yeah now it doesn't matter. So now you don't need a chauffeur's license. No background check. Background no special checks, license. No you nothing. nothing. I mean that is now, free Uber. market, but you almost—I mean, for safety reasons—I know you almost it, want some re- regulation there, don't you? A little in, bit in, in the driving industry. You don't know if this guy's a, a killer. You don't know if he's a drug addict. You don't know if he's boozed up right now. Right. I mean, I mean Uber I does background checks, though. Uber does them. It's just a matter of that they're not required by uh, Uber does them, Lyft by does law. them. Right. I yeah. mean, and so they get them done. And again, I've been in, you know, thousands of these things. I know. The, I have The to. license doesn't do anything to stop this, right? I mean, that's the point. It doesn't do not. anything. Yeah. I, do, I mean, a license. And they never go is, inside the airport. Yeah. I mean, actually, you know, inside the airport, they're right yeah, up to no, the but outside. I don't know. It just, it just felt strange that there wouldn't be something. But like, it's like you know, as a license, right? Maybe I'm just brainwashed that there's supposed to be I, some sort of government. Thing. Yes. I don't think you're. <laughs> yes. I don't think you're out of the ordinary at all there. But I do think that's kind of what it is because yeah. we all think like, well. Yeah, but it's safety and, like, you know, we need a license. Right. It's like, in reality, of course, people can pass a test when they get their license and then do whatever the hell they want uh, most right. of the time anyway. Beyond that, they do background checks with, with Uber because it, it's good for Uber. Uber doesn't want a bunch of stories about its drivers raping people, so it does background checks. I, will, I would be fascinated to talk to some Uber drivers who actually are making money. Because I know uh, of a couple, the, a couple who have done the numbers that weren't making any money wouldn't the numbers never worked out and i also know one person who did it for a little while and it never worked out i know i mean i always i it's fascinating it's a fascinating business to me so every time i'm in an uber i always talk to the person about it and and i would say most of the time they have some complaint which is typically there's too many drivers um which they don't like because it it brings all the the pricing down i mean Mm -hmm. there's too much competition for rides and everything else so they complain about that but they uh, without fail 
they usually will say, the thing I love about it is I can just pop on and do it whenever I want. Yeah. I mean, there is a benefit to the schedule, and usually it winds up, you might not, you're not going to make yourself rich doing it, but you can usually uh, put together a situation where you're making some money. I don't want to do it for less than $5, 000, $5 million a year. $5 million, <laughs> five million a year? $5 million a year. $5 million. I think you could probably, you're, you're going to have to drive, you're going to have to pick people up in a Bugatti. Is that, uh, <laughs> imagine that. You're into it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, largely speaking, I spoke to a guy, the last Uber ride I had, uh, it was an early morning airport drive, like five in the morning. My flight was five in the morning. So it was like 4.15 in the morning. Uh, actually, a little bit earlier than that, even. Probably almost not even oh, four. Why would it be so early, mister? I can get right through the line with my special oh, I didn't tell pass. You, I didn't tell you this disaster of a story, actually, because it was the beginning of vacation. This is a funny... You should do this on the other side because you'll you'll appreciate it as someone who likes to torture me. Um, but I got in and he uh, he's like, yeah, you know, it's like I do this here and there, like whenever I have time. He's like, I went, um, I, I'm dating a girl who's uh, you know living about an hour away, and uh, so I was really tired when I left her place. So I drank a monster to get myself home, and now I have too much energy. So when I got close to home, I just flipped on Uber and I've done like five rides, and I'm gonna go home. So he just popped in he for a couple of hours of work. He made, you know, who knows? I mean, my ride was probably maybe like 15 bucks, but he did that five or six times. He made, let's say, 75 bucks and then went home. <laughs> and it's like, that's what <laughs> you do. Good. You, sh- you show up, you yeah. turn it I mean, on. If you want to take the right, ride, that's take their the sales pitch. Yeah, and right. it is a great sales pitch. Yeah. I mean, if you lose your job, we talk about this all the time when we're talking about my Patriot supply, but if you were to lose your job and you didn't know what you were doing and you're in between gigs, mm-hmm. what a great thing to pick up some cash to kind of put towards the bottom line. Jeffy? Jeffy, you but, should look what? into that. Maybe, yeah, you maybe should. you look into. Uber well, back, I told you they maybe. do background checks. Oh, that's right. Never yeah, mind. So you can't. Uh, more Pat and Stu coming up. I'd say. Vacation starts. Uh, oh, yes. last, our last vacation, and uh, I have a flight in the morning at five oh five. I remember this. It was so long I ago. Know, I know. I actually, it's time for another one. It really is. It is. I mean, we're going to do that soon. So it's five oh five a.m. is my flight. So I get yeah. a pickup at three forty-five or something like that. Get Oof. there around like four. I mean, you know, this is not. I, you know, I did this for multiple reasons, which were, many of them were dumb. But anyway, so I get to the airport at 4 o'clock. Walk in. That's brutal. And why do I get there at 4 o'clock in the morning? I'm thinking to myself, there's going to be no freaking security line. Like, I'm going to get mm-hmm. through here really fast. Especially right? really with your... Not anymore. Well, I thought... But especially with your four, TSA pre Right, and I have TSA pre. So yeah. I'm thinking I'm going to have no problem, even if the TSA pre thing isn't there for some reason, because there's certain gates mm-hmm. it's not there. So I walk in. I go to the gate. They don't have TSA pre there. However... There is a ridiculously long line. The longest line I've ever seen at this airport. It's 4.15 in the morning. Yeah, because they're all there early to catch those early flights, man. I know, but I thought, I don't know. I obviously was wrong. So anyway, so I'm like, I'll walk down to the TSA pre area then. It's worth Mm -hmm. the walk to get in that line. Walk down to the TSA pre area, which gives you like expedited security. And I walk up and it's closed. It's too early, right? However, Mm. there are two businessmen in suits standing at the TSA pre uh, line. Mm-hmm. Right in line, waiting for it to open. And I'm thinking to myself... As if it were about to open. Right, they're businessmen. 
Okay. They're doing business. They things. must know. They travel all the time. That's what I would assume. They must <laughs> know. So I walk in line behind them, as do one or two other people. I'm like maybe mm-hmm. fifth in line here. Do you uh, say anything to them? Like, hey, do you know if this is about to open up? The guy in front of me says, up? hey, is this about to open up? And they go, yeah, 4.30. Now I'm thinking to myself, I got a 5.05 flight. But I'm fifth in line. The security line moves like... It's, you know, it goes immediate when you have TSA pre. You basically just walk through, throw your thing and walk right through. Yes. So I'm like, all right, this is, this is good. It's already at this point, say, 422. And I'm like, all right, by the time I got back to the other place, it was going to take me much longer. Uh-huh. So about, so 425 comes, nothing yet. <laughs> In fact, not even people mulling around. 430 comes, nobody there. They don't open it. Oh, man. 4.35 comes. Oh, geez. Still nobody. Now, now you're now thinking, I'm thinking do myself, I need to go back to the other one? I thought about that, but I'm like, I'm at this point fully committed because I'll never make it through that other line in time. Right. So now it's 4.35. At 4.40, the manager of security walks over to us. Now, he's been standing there the whole time watching us sit, stand here at this Wait, line. Waiting for the employee to show up. Right. In this time. The line has has grown from five or six people to 200 people, all standing wow, there, really? while the manager watches it built to 200 people, pre-people? and says nothing to us. Yes, all TSA pre-people. Wow. So now I'm like, all right, well, it's 200 people. Guy walks over and goes, oh, yeah, we're not going to open it till 5. The website says 4.30. The sign says 4.30. He decides he's not going to open it until 5. <laughs> My flight and everyone else in line's flight is 5 or 5.15 or something like that. So now everyone bolts out of that line to go to the security line that's right which there. Which they're going to let you. Which they're going to let you through first because your closest your flight's just maybe. Happening. But you can't let two hundred people go first, right? I mean, someone's at, someone's two hundredth. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I walk back to the first security line I'm in, and I just go to the, like through the priority lane, which you can right. which is shorter at this point, much shorter than when I first went by it. So I go through the priority mm-hmm. line. I get through. As I'm walking through, it's like five oh five. I'm like, I'm not going to make this flight, obviously. I start running, and the guy I'm standing with says, I just checked, and there's a delay. Now, that's great. I'm like, I'm going to make this. It's because there's a 15 or 15-minute delay, except for the fact that I've got a connection in Charlotte, right? So that's which is a 35-minute window. <laughs> so the flight is not 15 minutes delayed. It's now 30 minutes oh, delayed. You know, yeah. We take off. I land in Charlotte, but I'm supposed to land right near my gate, yeah, Charlotte's so I might be able to make it. No, it is pretty big. Believe me, the newest one? as Trump would say. So instead of fly, uh, landing next to my gate, it lands on the entire opposite oh, side man. of the airport, which means I get off the flight and have to full out sprint the entire airport to attempt to make this flight on Did time. You As you might be able to tell, I am not in shape and cannot sprint more than eight steps before dying. Mm-hmm. I run as fast as I can, OJ Simpson style, through the airport because it's like the Hertz. There's so many people. I'm like dodging people and everything, jumping over stuff. I get all the way, I get there, I'm gasping for air. She's called my name five times, she tells me. Let's be in one minute later, they what? close the door behind me and I make it. Oh, it was a miracle that, commute. That makes me mad. Ah, but I that made it, Jeffy, and I know it makes you mad. That's why I'm hoping.